Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts 13, verses 13 through 52. Jesus Christ is God. He's creator, sustainer of the universe, the exact representation of God. He is God, if you like rhymes, God in a bod. Okay, you can use that. God in a bod. He is God in human flesh, dwelling among us. Christmas in the manger is God. And that is the message we share with the world. And so Paul stands up in the synagogue, back to the book of Acts, and he's sharing it. And he's telling people, look, this is the good news. This is the very message I rejected, Paul might say, but I have come to understand that he is the hope of the world. Look at Acts 13, verse 34. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. See, Jesus Christ It didn't end on the cross. He rose again from the tomb. And because of that, the holy and sure blessings of David will come. Come to who? Go to Isaiah 55. This is where the quote comes from. This is the last parallel passage we'll look at. But turn to Isaiah 55. And let's begin at verse 1. Isaiah 55, verse 1. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts. This is a Christmas verse, by the way. It starts off with ho, Anyway, all right, you guys, I don't know what it is. Second service loved all these jokes, and uh, I don't know. Was there a coffee out there at the donut thing? Anyway, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, verse 2, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according, here's the quote from Paul, according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know. Now we begin to see an introduction to the Gentiles, non-Jews, non-Jewish people. And a nation which knows you not will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's important for our message. And then God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Now in context, a verse that we often quote, and we apply to other uh, situations about God being higher than us, is actually in the setting of salvation to the Gentiles. And God's saying, I'm going to give the sure and holy blessings of David to non-Jewish people because my ways are not your ways. 
Because a Jewish person reading this might say, who's this other nation who's going to come in? The Gentiles have no place in this covenant of blessings with Abraham and David. And God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. The Gentiles are coming in because I want the ends of the earth to be saved. Now look at verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it barren sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. That's why I hope you're here with an open Bible today. Because the word of God will accomplish the purpose of God. And God says, my word, when it goes out, it'll be like rain and snow that hits the ground and brings new growth. And if you want, in 2014, back to Acts 13, new growth in your life, get familiar with the word of God. Things will begin to blossom and bud in your life which you may not have known before as you dive in to the Word of God. It will make your life grow in many ways that you might not have known before. Now therefore, he also says in another psalm, Acts 13.35, Thou will not allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. That's from Psalm 16, verse 10. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. That is, he died, verse 36 and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. We know where David's tomb is today. But he, by contrast, Jesus, whom God raised, did not undergo decay. You might wonder what happened in the tomb of Jesus. His body did not undergo decay because he came forth in life in that same body. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, as Paul preaches to the synagogue, that through Jesus, through him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. You can be forgiven of every sin you have ever committed. How do you get forgiven? There are so many people walking around in our world guilty, trying to deal with the guilt. You know how you get forgiven? You trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed Through the gospel, this is the promise. And through him, through Jesus, 39, everyone who believes is freed. The word freed there in your Bible, you might want to write it down, literally is justified. The Greek word means to be declared righteous. Now you've seen a court case before. The person maybe is on a capital trial. Uh, Their life is on the line and the verdict is going to determine everything. And so you have the jury and you have the judge and you have the attorneys and all the evidence comes in and then a little slip of paper is handed from the leader of the jury to the bailiff to the judge. And the judge opens it and then he gives it back and it's going to be read. And have you watched the trial when the verdict comes down not guilty? That person goes... Because their whole life is being determined by that verdict might spend their life in prison. It might be a death sentence. This word, you could render this word not guilty. 
You and I, one day, if we are in Christ, will stand before the judge of the universe and he will declare, this is the Greek word, if you know Christ, not guilty. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you believe it? So many of us walk around with guilt. And you ask some people, okay, when you die, are you going to heaven? And they say, I sure hope so. And then it usually goes like this. I hope I've done enough good things to outweigh my bad things. Let me tell you something. God's not only going to judge your actions. He's going to judge your thoughts. He's going to judge your motives. He's going to judge words you spoke in the car when nobody else was there listening. And even words you muttered, which could not be interpreted, but God has an interpretation device in heaven, and he knows. When you God knew every word. And if he judges you by that, if the scales of justice just judge you by the top ten on judgment day, how do you think you'll do? Most people say, if it's that, I'll be guilty. And will you end up in heaven or hell? And then people usually say, heaven. And you say, why? You just said you broke all the commandments over and over again. I said, but God's a forgiving God. He is. He paid your ransom price, but you must receive it. You can't stand before the judge after all the evidence has come in and you're guilty and then say, but judge, I heard you were a good judge and and I really think that you'll... He says, no, it's because I'm good that I'm going to declare your sentence and be just. But the way that God can be just and you don't have to be condemned is because his son already paid your ransom. As a matter of fact, the image is this. The judge who would judge you lays down his gavel, takes off his gown, descends from his bench, and now pays your ransom. That is the gospel. The judge left heaven, came down to the earth, set aside the prerogatives of deity to die that you might live. This is the proclamation of the gospel. That's why it's good news. Do you think everybody in the world needs to hear that? See, Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. He says, you can be declared not guilty and you can be freed from all the things from which you could not, 39, be freed through the law of Moses. Moses' law is going to say, what? Guilty. If you're in Jesus, not guilty. See, this is where the whole thing swings. And later, Paul will write Galatians to the same group of people and say to them, stand in the freedom with which Christ has made you free. And don't be taken now by another yoke of bondage and thinking, you know what, maybe there's another way. Maybe God has brownie points. No, do what you do because you're grateful that your sin debt is paid in full. And Paul will end the sermon with these words. He says, take heed, 40. That means listen carefully, be careful. Therefore, so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. This could have been another Torah portion of that morning. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. That's from Habakkuk 1, verse 5. The original context of the verse is God was sending Babylon to judge Judah, the southern nation, and the people said, ah, no, it's not coming. And the prophet said, Babylon's coming. 
Nebuchadnezzar's coming. We're going to get judged because we've disobeyed God and we're in idolatry. And the prophets spoke and the people said, nah, peace, peace. And the false prophets kept saying, it's all right. Everything's going to be fine. God says, no, it's not. I'm sending Nebuchadnezzar and I'm going to do something in your day that you won't believe, but it's going to be from me. And Paul applies that to the coming of the Holy One of Israel, that is Jesus Christ. And Paul says, be careful so that this thing spoken of, you, of, uh, of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, marvel and perish. Now this is his closing line in the sermon. As we look at verse 42, it says, And Paul and Barnabas were going out. So how do you like that for a closing line in the sermon? Okay, you scoffers, you better listen up, because God's accomplishing a work, and a lot of you will probably never believe it. Okay, have a nice day. And in the last days, Peter said, scoffers will come with their scoffing. And they will say, where's the promise of his coming, dude? Everything continues the way it's been since the fathers fell asleep. God's never interrupted the natural order. And Peter says, to paraphrase, these people are dumb on purpose. You know anybody in your life who's dumb on purpose? He said, they willingly are ignorant to these facts. Number one, God made the universe. Number two, he brought a flood, kind of interrupted the natural order of things, wouldn't you say? And he's coming again. And the promise of his coming is sure because God has prophesied it all over the Bible. And so he says, look, believe it, now's the time. And Paul and Barnabas were going out, 42, and the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now this is a preacher's dream right here. The people kept begging. Uh, kept begging is a single Greek word in the, that language. It means encore. I'm just kidding. It doesn't mean that, but, but you all know that artists do that kind of thing, right? They have their set of songs, and then the people, it used to be the lighter, now it's the cell phone, right? And they know they're going to play three more songs because they know the encore is coming. Never once in my history of preaching have I ever been asked to give an encore. Now, I don't want you to do it today because <laughs> I'll know it's phony. I know it won't be from your heart. But actually, I have I had people uh, meet me at the door and say that was way too long. No, I'm just kidding. But no, they've said, you know what, Pastor Michael, it seemed like the time went by fast because I, I want more. And when I meet people who are hungry for the word of God, it's so awesome. I met a lady. She came to our second service today and she said she was scheduled to go to another church and somehow she couldn't find her way to that church, so she saw, met one of our members, and she said, do you know where this church is? And that member said, I don't know, but uh, you, my church is right up the street. So she said she turned in here, and she said, it was so refreshing. You opened the Bible. All the people in the church had a Bible. And I said, isn't that amazing that people had a Bible in a church? And she said, you even put a map up there, and I really like maps, and you put a map. And I said, this is great. And she said, it's totally God. She said, I'll be, I'll be at one of the Bible studies this week and praise God. That's awesome. So the people were begging. They said, come back next week. We want to hear more. Now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, 43, many of the Jews of the, and of the God-fearing proselytes, that's the Gentiles, followed Paul and Barnabas. They were hungry. Who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath, 44, 
Nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. Wouldn't that be a great prayer for 2014? Lord, bring out the whole city to hear the word of God. Not just 15% of Corona's population, which I don't even think it's that much, frankly. I think we have 160,000 people in Corona. Uh, Is it more? Anybody know the latest? Anyway, it's at least that. Now, do you think that 16,000 people are in church on a Sunday morning in Corona? Maybe. There's some pretty big churches in Corona, but I don't know. Do you think 20,000? Even if it was 20%, even if we took the numbers up, the whole city isn't hearing the word of God on Sundays. What a great prayer that would be. Amen? That the whole city would come out. And there they were. And they wanted to hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with, you'd like to read in your Bible right here, awe at the grace of God. They were so happy, but it doesn't say that. It says they were filled with jealousy. And they began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming, probably saying that Jesus isn't the Messiah. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it, literally means since you reject or push it away, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. The people started to contradict and blaspheme, and Paul said, okay, we're supposed to go to the Jews first, the Jew first, then to the Gentile. Since you won't receive it, since you rejected, okay, we're going to the Gentiles. And they judged themselves unworthy, verse 46, of eternal life. And if you ever wondered, is there a clear Bible passage that says that man has the free will to reject the gospel? Acts 13, 46. They rejected the word of God and judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. Now, some of the Calvinists in the room are saying, wait a minute, keep reading, because there's more. Oh, there is more. For thus the Lord commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you should bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, believed. The word appointed in Greek is tasso. It can mean to be put on a roll. could kind of speak of the book of life or to categorize someone in a certain way, or to appoint in in the basic sense. And you might say, well, how does this work? And we're almost done. Well, remember, God is eternal. So he sees the whole parade from up above. When we watch a parade, we watch pieces of the parade go by. We see that float and that float. But God sees the beginning to the what? End. He already knows the whole story. He knows who's in and who's out because he can't, learn anything. He is omniscient. He already knows. And here's where people have a problem. They say, well, then does that mean that God looked down the corridor of time? He knew which people would be in and which people would be out, people who would choose him and not. And he said, well, they're predestined. They're going to be saved and they're not. Or worse yet, did he look down the corridor of time and say, I want him. I don't want him. I want her. I don't want. And they call that double predestination. Did he predestine people to heaven and hell? Uh, No. God is not willing that any perish, but what? All come to repentance. So what did he do then? 
Well, he watches the parade. He's eternal outside of time. He's not bound by time. So stop thinking about time in terms of God's election. He just knows. And so he predestines the people that he knows will be in and others he knows are going to reject. And man's free will is like a column that goes into the sky and God's predestination. And they're like two columns that go up into the sky and somewhere God puts the roof on it. But God's not sitting there saying, in, out, out, in. He wants people to come to him. That's why the gospel is preached. Amen? That's why missionaries go out. And so the word is delivered. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews aroused the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Talk about feast and famine. Great day, all these people getting saved. Come back, we can't wait till here. Then another group comes, get out of our town. We don't want you here. Take your stuff and get out. Take your ball (laughs) and go home. Like, jeez, what a tough day, man. Just had people, you know, they were ready to put us up in a five-star hotel. Now we're out. And so what did they do? They shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. Now the Jews had a practice. When they would go through Gentile lands, they thought they'd be unclean. So they would come to the border of that land and they would do something like this. And they they would brush the soil off their shoes. They didn't want to be unclean. So if you ever eat at a restaurant, you know, one of those with peanut shells and you get poor service, right as you get to the door, just do this in protest against them. That's, that's a sign that you're not happy with the service. Anyway. <laughs> and if you do that, do not mention my name, please. Um, and the disciples, 52 we're continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your hearts? Father, thank you for the joy of our salvation. Thank you for the hope of Christmas and looking to a new year. We want to keep pressing on. I want to pray for that person that may be struggling today, having difficulty. Help them to persevere. Lord, help us to have points of contact in 2014 so that we might share the good news of the gospel with those who don't know you. Help us to be patient in 2014 with looking for open doors. Help us to put up with difficult situations and people and keep pressing on. Father, help us to be ambassadors, speaking the message, the promise of life in Jesus Christ. So good. Because it tells us that death is not the end. There's hope beyond the grave. We can be forgiven and we can have a new life. And with your heart and head bowed, if you don't know that you know that today, if you don't know that you have a relationship with him today, if you thought that you had to do it based upon good works, good works, keeping the law will not save you. Jesus saves So trust in him. And it's something like this. And right where you are right now, don't let another day go by without knowing him. It's something like this. Pray it if it's you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that you defeated death by rising from the grave. Thank you that you are God. And you came to the world to save me. 
Thank you that I'm not alone and that my life is in your hands. Help me to press on and trust you. I turn away from my sins and I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. Lord, for the person who may have been backslidden, maybe they're like Mark, fell back, lost courage, fell into sin, may you help them to come back to you today. And for the precious saints that are here today, may you help them to keep trusting, keep living for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him. And they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I want to get this book in your hands because I believe it's going to help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. The book will be available soon on Kindle and on our website. But right now you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you cannot afford a copy of the book, or if you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9 and 11.15 a.m. 
You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you.